So it was something we could just beat that drum. Just like, all right, climb, we can do this, we can do this. So I think a mantra was really important and that, that helped us get through a lot of, uh, a lot of it. And uh, just really checking in with people to have them ask them of themselves, am I doing everything I possibly can? And people, people deliver, people really deliver. If you create the environment for them, you remove every possible reason or excuse and just focus on their performance, really caring about them as a human. People can do amazing things if you ask. Welcome to the Leadership Junkies podcast brought to you by Cardavera, the leadership development ecosystem that helps you grow your people, grow your business and grow your life. We're back with episode 96 and our very special guest is John Siracus. The title is The Climb, living and leading for peak performance with your business, your team and your life. And you're going to hear that phrase throughout this episode, the climb. This is a mantra that John's company, Oyova, used during 2020 to navigate the COVID pandemic. It's also the name of his podcast. That's right, the climb. And John's going to talk about a wide range of topics. He's going to talk about certainly leadership, how to build a strong team, how to improve and sharpen your own peak performance, as well as that of your organization and team. He's going to talk about the power of rhythm throughout your life. He's going to talk about habits, practices, different commitments he makes. He's going to talk about prioritization. It is going to be a wide ranging topic, all of which are going to help you leave ready to be perform at your highest level and most importantly, lead an impact at your highest level. It's going to be a fun conversation. Get ready to meet John and learn so much more about life and leadership. Junkies podcast, where we explore leadership, business, and personal growth to help you grow your business and live a richer life. We're your hosts, Jeff Dishwitz and Craig Matthews. We believe that leaders have to put their people first. And if you don't have time to grow your people, then you're not leading. Get ready for conversations that will challenge your thinking and help you transform your leadership and your business. Welcome to your bigger business and bigger life. I am really jazzed to be here today. And the reason I'm jazzed is I know it's going to be an interesting, unique conversation, as many are, but we have John Siracus with us today. And John is a, a longtime entrepreneur, I would argue serial entrepreneur for sure. He currently owns or has a part of at least three businesses. Uh, he's a co-owner and president of a company called Oyova, the National Marketing and Application Development Agency where they help, he helps the firm identify and capitalize on opportunities. Well, that sounds like we've heard it before, but you're going to find out there's so much more to it today. Uh, here's something I love about John. He's a huge proponent of experiencing different countries, cultures, and cuisines. That tells me John's an adventurer, uh, and he has this love of people that drives him every day. He's very involved in giving his time and mentoring. And I want to mention this other thing he's part of. He is part of something and leads something called the Digital Mastermind, which is a collection of some of the top digital marketing agencies. And he also has a podcast called The Climb. But we're going to hear a lot about John's journey and talk about what does leadership look like, especially when you own multiple businesses and where you're involved in those business. As I know, he's going to share quite a bit about what happened in 2020. And how that looked like to someone who's got their hands in all these different business pies. So welcome, John. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be here. Hey, glad to have you. I do have to say that I've had the opportunity to uh, talk to John before today. And we actually got the chance to play golf last weekend and got to know each other a little better. What I remember about meeting John is, and this is about me, he, was, <laughs> he seemed very impressed that I was able to pronounce his name the first try. <laughs> <laughs> and when he asked me why, I said, well, it's, it's called having friends with Greek names because you know that the T is silent. Right. The T is silent. Yeah, it's slaughtered a lot. You can usually tell when it's, uh, it's a sales call. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, John, give us a little bit of your story that leads up to today. Yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm 
from Florida. My family had a small construction company. My, uh, I worked with my brothers uh, alongside my father. I wanted to go to college at the time, got in an argument with my dad, uh, around 18 and he, uh, he fired me in front of a, a group of people. And oh. I, was, I was going to school at the time because I wanted to go to school, right. With this guy. And he had started a, a marketing company with his dad and I was going to school for marketing. And he said, well, why don't you come to work for us? So in a few short years, that company rapidly grew. I think it was like three or four years and it became very corporate, bureaucratic. I decided this wasn't what I wanted to do. So I had the brilliant idea of starting an agency to do things differently my way in the pit of the recession. Uh, nice. oh, and yeah, I think 08, 09. And what I learned there was if you can survive in that time, you can survive in any time. And over the years, we did a lot of things such as web development, search engine optimization, paid advertising it was a digital focused agency. And over the years, I met who is now my business partner. We would send all our work to that person. They were white labeling it, it uh, for us, if you will. And we decided to merge that company in 2018. And that is what is now Oyova. And yeah, we have two offices, one in St. Petersburg, where I'm at, and another one in Jacksonville. And along that, along the way, uh, there were other businesses, there were other, other ventures that were some failed, some succeeded, but uh, jobs and sports is one of those that we, we put together. It's the oldest job, uh, job board online for people in sports. And it's also something we're turning into a, a social media site for sports fanatics and people that want jobs. We're, we're mer merging those two. And then there's also a, a healthcare-based company called Central Comp, which is an ancillary healthcare provider that I started that because I thought there was a recession coming in 2017, 2018. Uh, and I was hedging my bets based on healthcare being recession-proof. But yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. Well, so it's interesting, John. Let's just start with this. You're three companies right now. I certainly see a link between Oyova and jobs and sports. As soon as you describe myself, I see how those fit. But the healthcare company, I go, I don't feel that fit. But you made a conscious decision to, you said, hedge your bets. So talk about that decision to be in a third business that's very different in many ways from the first two. The, so I'm sure we could find articles based on from, I think it was 2000, as soon as the economy got good, 2015, 2016, 2017 everybody was screaming that there was this other recession coming around the corner and whatever that's cyclical, whether it's every 10 or 15 years, it happens anyway. So I don't know if that's what they just wanted to report. Well, I was looking at that as, okay, I want to, I want to hedge my bets and I want to make sure that being in a, a marketing agency where your budgets are just cut the minute a recession comes in, unless you are just so aggressive, right? That was, that was the theory. So uh, a friend of mine who uh, I've, I've worked with in the past, I really wanted to start a concept with him, really, really enjoy working with him. And that's how that came about. And the long play is a technology play and a very saturated business that really does a lot of good for people. And so far, we're, we're seeing how that plays out based on what took place in 2020. Now, John, one of the things I love about that is you, it's like you took the ideas from good to great, you know, the get the right people on the bus first and then figure out where you're going. I love that. You know, you, you have this person that you want to work with. That's kind of what Jeff and I were doing when we started Cartavera as well. I love that. And I think that's a great way to go about it, right? Because at the end of the day, if you don't enjoy the people yeah. that you're working with, how successful is it really going to be? Right. Now, John, with, the, with that business, Central Comp, let me make sure I understand. Did you create that? Like that was a startup or did you buy that? Startup. Okay. So I was interested. Did, was it so new that you had to start it or did you consider buying a, an existing business? And what was your determining factors in that? The, there, there's a lot of public knowledge on how to start a, a specific company like this. I had experience when I worked for the other, uh, the, the healthcare based marketing firm initially, where it was very product driven and product based. So I knew the margins. So a lot of, the, and don't get me wrong, there was, there's a lot of things that were learned, the hard <laughs> so, yeah. tons and tons of things. But as far as acquiring another business, I, I, I think there is this beautiful thing about getting a business from the ground up, bootstrapping it as much as you possibly can, because you're going to have to invest uh, a little bit of money. 
And that, that creates something really solid in a foundation rather than the, what, what could be wasteful when people don't care when it's money just injected into a company. Things aren't taken as seriously, in my opinion. Hmm. Interesting. Well, from a mindset perspective, a lot of people who think about multiple businesses, I'm one of them, Craig's one of them. I, I can tell you personally, I've tried it unsuccessfully over the years. Uh, I'm exploring it now, and hopefully I've learned a lot. But there's a lot of pitfalls to it. You know, you can get distracted and you don't end up not giving the focus you need in one place. So how is it working for you to navigate and play up certainly a leadership role in three very different businesses, at least in terms of their market? I think it's structure, right? What What is the priority? The priority is where... It, and I guess it's also my passion. My passion, my passion ultimately is helping people. Where am I best at that? Um, that is in my craft. My craft would be in the marketing and sales side of things. So that starts with Oyova, right? So long as all those goals are being hit and met from a priority standpoint, everything else can flow. And it's a lot of work to do that, right? And how do you, how do you create the structure to do that? It's, it's a lot of calendaring. You have the goals, you have the priorities, what has to take place, and then you have the, the amount of time that you can do those things. The other is the people. What are they responsible for? What are their functions? So in jobs and sports, it's my same business partner that I have in Oyova. He takes a huge lead. He does a ton of the work that's there, so I, I can rely on him. And when it comes to the sales and marketing sides of it, that's where it, it taps into me. Oyova, we share a lot of the responsibilities. He's more on the operations side. Um, I'm definitely on the, the sales and, and marketing side. When it comes to uh, central comp, I have a really good structure there as well with really seasoned professionals. And it's, like I said, it comes down to the calendar. When are we supposed to do these things? And what does that reporting look like? So you continually have your hands on the levers so the plane's going in the direction you want it to go. Great. So that's interesting, John. One of the struggles I know I've had is it's easy to fall into the trap of being reactive. Like I can have my stated priorities, but then things do happen. The unexpected, and my view on that, as I've told a lot of groups over the years, everyone wants to call things unexpected, but they're not really unexpected because unexpected things happen every day. It's just we don't know what that's going to be today. And so how do you deal with that? Because you can set your priorities, but how do you stay out of what I'd call that reactive mode that can get you chasing everything? I think it's... No, being crystal clear on your goals and the timeline it's going to take to achieve them is something that I'm, I'm always looking at every single day, whether it's our, our sales quota we need to hit, whether it's a lead quota, whether it's the, the, the effective rate based on how our hourly is being charged. Those things are, are near and dear, right? So those are some of those levers. But let's say we take the calendar, right? And the unexpected happens. I had an un unexpected email this morning at 518 that had to be dealt with. I know on average, about 20% of my day is going to be destroyed from spontaneity. The, the <laughs> so things get moved around and things shuffle, right? Yeah. So instead of reacting, I think a better word I would like to use is how do I want to respond to this? Mm. So instead of writing out some long detailed novel of an email that apparently would have some, somebody may have taken that upon themselves to do, I said, can we do a, uh, have a phone call tomorrow at 8 a.m.? Yes, that would be great. Thank you so much. Okay, perfect. All right, so now I'm in control of my time. I, it's on my calendar. I'm in control of when it's going to, to happen. And hopefully it goes the way that both of us want it to go. Great. I, I have to say, I love that for a couple of yeah. reasons. One is how we, I think we live in a trap today in this world of doing so much digital communication under the belief that it's easier. Right. Uh, and I don't believe that. I think that it's one of the worst forms of communication, especially when there's something that's off. Like, right. Apparently exactly. there's something off that needs to be navigated through. And secondly, the idea that you don't have to engage in communication the way someone else engages with you. Now, I think there's a, there's a double-edged sword there because when I'm in a relationship situation, like with you, I, I want to honor the way you communicate. You know, if you let me know that I'm a texter, you know, I'm not really a phone call person and I call you all the time, that's obnoxious. But the idea that someone sent me an email, I can actually schedule a call with them versus doing what they did. I think that's so simple, but so often forgotten. Yeah, 
I think anytime you you get the emotion in there, you really need to operate more in a live live basis um, rather than trying to go back and forth with emails and texts and things like that. Yep. And I'm happy you said it that way because the emotion is what is going to completely throw you out of rhythm. It's going to drain right. you of the energy you've already planned on having for the day. So it's, and also when you put something in, in the future with that intention, it's being strategic of how you want the, that to play out. Right. So rather than reacting, I can think, okay, these are the things that I want to say. This yeah, is uh, you know, the delicate points that we want to address. And hopefully both parties leave happy. Hmm. It's good. Yeah. One of the things that Jeff and I've been talking about recently is that, you know, there's always the unexpected. It's not, you, you never have a day that goes exactly the way you had planned it. So you got to have some flex time in there. Sure. And people just love rescheduling meetings now because it's so easy. So <laughs> it, that 20% usually frees itself up organically as well. Yeah. Interesting. So I want to ask another couple of questions here because I know people are listening that are going to say, like I have at certain times in my life, how does he do it? I have enough trouble with one job or one business yeah, right. and he's got his hands and you've mentioned the priorities and all that. But I guess, how do you respond to the question that someone's probably asking? How does he make time work? And I'm guessing you look at it differently than time. Hmm. Good point. Energy. What are, so knowing it, it's a lot of self knowledge. So in the morning, if I have to do something that is, is, uh, it takes a lot of brain energy and, and thought that happens in the morning. Yeah. Most of my calls and meetings and everything else happen in the afternoon. I do not do calls on, or, uh, or meetings on Monday. That's a time for me to either catch mm -hmm. up or work on whatever it is that I need to, to, to work on. Uh, so I, I think there, there's a lot of, it's, it's a lot of structure. And when, I don't want to sound like a freak, but when things are outside I'll of just be the freak you are, John. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's okay. Well, I, I had to book a meeting with, uh, I'm, I'm mentoring, uh, this, uh, this new, this new guy and he wanted to book a lunch. I was like, okay, well that's, that's two weeks out for lunch. And that just blew his mind. It's like, it, I'm, I'm usually working on a rotating two week calendar. And it's just, okay, these are all the things that have to happen within there. And now granted, when the things don't go the way that they should, it's also being cognizant of knowing this is just an event. There's no reason to panic. How, do, <laughs> how am I going to handle the situation that's in front of me? And right. also kind of looking at it like it's a game. What are the rules of this game? What is the structure? What do I have to do to win? <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah. Wait sometimes a minute, John, we are just you actually setting your own rules? Yeah. Is that what you're telling us? You're making your own rules. I don't know if it's about setting my own rules. I think it's observing what the rules are and figuring out what it takes to win. Well, part of it is, you know, if you have your own business, you can, you can decide what, what the framework is in which we, you work. You could, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, but also knowing that, right, a business, a company is a collection of people. So you also have all the hearts and minds that are attached to that. Absolutely. So those all have to go in a specific direction and there's nuance. You know, it's one of those sayings where, you know, everybody wants to be treated the same. No, they don't. Absolutely nope. not. Some people want that text message. Some people want the phone call. Exactly. And it's just knowing those patterns to get the most out of the people that you work with and know that we're all doing this together. It's yep. not a, I'm your boss or I'm better than you. It's like, this is my function. That's your function. How do we make sure that these are in rhythm going in the direction we both want them to go? Yeah. But let me ask you a micro question that I think has <laughs> macro impact. First of all, my premise is in business today, I'm just stick with business. I think in general meetings suck. I've never met a company that says we, we have awesome meetings and I wish I had more. No one ever says I want more meetings. But if you have awesome meetings, you'd want more, right? But one of the things that companies are trapped in is just what you said. Most companies put all their meetings in the morning. I just talked to a company last week. And they, she said, wow, we have so many meetings. And I said, well, do you do meetings in the morning? She said, well, yeah, absolutely, all the time. I said, do you realize that that's the most creative, productive time for everybody? Whether they're morning people or night people, it doesn't matter. That's when they're most productive. It's the worst time for meetings. Meetings need to be in the afternoon. When they're a little tired. Their energy's down. It actually makes the meetings better versus worse. Like, so you're doing that well. I mean, do you do that in your company in general? You don't have morning meetings? Yeah. If there's other team members, though, that 
they're your, a night or whatever person. They can do the meetings whenever they want. This is me personally that I, I will not. For instance, the call I moved to 8 a.m. Uh, tomorrow, that's, that's a call that had to happen today. My complete day is booked. So tomorrow morning, I'm going to remove some of that knowledge time and I'm going to give them my undivided attention, which is, you know, uh, that's become the, the, the priority. But I agree with you. I think I'm also a faster. This kind of gets into performance, but I don't eat breakfast. So if you don't eat breakfast, you, you do whatever it is you do in your morning routine, your energy level and your creativity is really high. You've had nothing to bring it down if you've mm, gotten a, a good point. night's sleep. Yeah. And then as you begin to like taper off, whether it's a 10, 30, 11 or, or toward noon, then you can go ahead and take your meal. And it's kind of like, a, you know, all right, this day is now completely changing and we're going into to meetings until sometimes seven or eight o'clock. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, I was on the phone with a guy the other day. In fact, if you're interested, John, you might be interested in meeting him. Uh, his name's Justin. He lives in Miami. And he and his wife or partner run a, he calls it high performance business. But he says he hates the phrase, as do I, because it's become so cliche. But that's the corporate language. Corporations know what that means. So it sounds like you have, a, you have done some, I'm going to call it routines or practices Talk about that and how that impacts your leadership. Yeah. So it started with just trying to get the, the most out of myself where I was diagnosed with ADD, which I believe every single human has ADD to some extent. And it comes down to a myriad of factors. Some of them just being, do you hate what you're doing? Uh, <laughs> are you uh, right? If you're not interested in it, are you really going to, you know, have the attention? It's like watching Great a bad point. movie. You're going to do yeah. everything you can to turn off that movie. Well, if you're, if your work is like that bad movie, then you're going to do everything you can not to do that. So you're automatically going to look like you have a, a disorder. The other thing I noticed is that what you eat is very important. So if you're spiking with sugar or even caffeine, you have these highs and these lows. Well, there's going to be, you know, troughs and, you know, in hills in that. The other thing is sleep is very important. So my, my advice is if somebody is struggling with focusing and you actually like what, you, what it is that you do, <laughs> I recommend removing as many things from your, your diet uh, as you can. And that's what I did. So I pretty much drink water and eat a very, a very strict diet that I enjoy, right? Lots of proteins and lots of, uh, lots of vegetables and almost no sugar. And the other, the other side to it is the, the structure, realizing that when your locust is of control, when you don't have a locust of control, where everything is just coming at you, yeah. you have no semblance of peace. You, right. you are completely out of rhythm and you can't control your energy levels. That was something that I noticed. And all, a lot of these were through trial and tribulation. And of course, there was research and reading books uh, on it as well. So uh, I also recommend uh, uh, no caffeine. Uh, if you're going to drink something throughout the day, if you continually drink water and you're hydrated, and of course, this is liking something that you do. You don't need a, a replacement for that. And then also uh, your habits. So a lot of people, I can't remember, somebody wrote a book or maybe it was a post that, you know, start with one tooth, tooth when you're flossing. That was a hard word for me to say, tooth. Uh, one, one tooth if you want to floss, and then you'll eventually go to your whole uh, mouth. Well, it's the same thing with uh, whether it's writing or blogging. If you do it every day, you're going to you know, continually do it. You make those habits and you make it easier. So that's a structure that I've created for myself. Uh, I believe it's helped a lot of my team members in specific ways to, to look at situations uh, to get the most out of them. I try to coach wherever possible, but I don't force it. Hmm. I appreciate you bring up the sleep piece. You know, we've had a couple of guests who talk about this, and they have consistently talked about the importance of sleep. And yet we live in, I believe we live in a culture in the United States where there's, it's almost a badge of honor to not sleep. In fact, I, I did a call last week with someone in the Tampa area who is, is not the sleep person. He's the high performer who said, I just go, I'll sleep when I'm dead. You know, that mindset. And I do all these things all day and I go all day and I get three hours of sleep and he's proud of it. But I think, I think that the jury is in that. Pretty much we, except for very micro part of the population, we need good rest. I completely agree. And if you study sleep, right, there's, uh, there's like a bell curve and there's a percentage that needs like 12 to 18 hours a day, like 1%. And on the other side <laughs> of that curve, 
there's the, like the three to four hours. That's all they need per night. You know, the one percent. Yeah. Most of us fall between that ten to eight. The majority. I'm definitely an eight hour person, hmm. and I tried that. I tried to be that that person where I was like, oh, I don't need sleep. I can take whatever, and I, I can be up for for three days. And what I noticed is your your work is garbage. You you begin hmm. to not appreciate life as much. It's such a necessary thing. We were a creature that would sleep in a cold cave at one time, and we would wake up and forage for the morning for whatever we're going to to eat, and that's how we would get the most out of our day. And Anybody, I mean, if it works for somebody, I think that's great. That's awesome. I would always try to recommend getting the best night's sleep you possibly can because you'll be able to get more done and you'll be able to get into that rhythm, which is a very common thing that I talk about of life that is going to give you the most out of it. Yeah, it's really interesting. I've, I've been kind of uh, looking at the sleep patterns that I've had over the last couple of weeks. And I was, I was on a period where I would just wake up after four or five hours and I was fine. And then this week it's been like, I need eight, eight hours a night. So it, it's very strange. I, I try to listen to my body. Um, so <laughs> you know, try to get what I can. Alcohol can be a big factor too, right? Nope. Not that. Okay. I don't, I don't really drink. Uh, all right. Yeah. So it's, it's some of those things to look at. Yeah. And maybe it's just different sleep patterns. Also like if you monitor your, your like behaviors through the month, I know I'm going to sound like a total crazy quant, but <laughs> journaling is a big deal and that's how you get to really know yourself it's it's a big deal for me anyway and you can really see your patterns over a year based on like certain things like how many hours per night uh you slept interesting yeah what it is that you ate and you'll see that there's there's kind of a pattern throughout you know uh, throughout the month that goes up and then it goes down goes up you'll literally have bad days two or three bad days that will happen very uh very commonly around the same time and then uh, your next month, you'll have good days right around the same time as well. Hmm. Okay. And what's the, what's the quantitative measure that you're using for those? So it's, it was mainly started with just observational, just writing down, right? So it'd say like, okay, good day, bad day. Okay. Why was okay. it a good day? Boom, boom. All right. Why was it a bad day? Boom, boom, boom. And then from there, all right, what did I eat? What did I drink? Okay. Going through those motions. Okay. How many hours did I work today? What did I get done? And then just framing that out in a good day, bad day. And then just realizing, all right, well, I, I can see some, some really heavy patterns. Interesting. Okay. And how were you labeling good and bad? What was that for you? Was it about good, bad day energy wise, productivity wise? What, I mean, what was your label of good and bad? So if you write down your journal entry, right. And you were to take extract the tone of that overall, like what was the message that was said there? Was that, was that good? You were talking like, okay, I, I found a lottery ticket while I was walking down the road. <laughs> all my you know, team members invited me, uh, I'm sorry, uh, voted me the best boss ever. Like, all right, those types of things. Or were you looking at, okay, I didn't make it to the gym today. I had to take my dog to the vet. You know, those types of things. Like, what was your perception of what happened in that day? And that's how I believe you should say whether it was a good day or a bad day. Gotcha. Okay. So that, that actually brings up another question for me, because the way you said that answer felt like a perspective choice, mm-hmm. because I could see that if I did it the way I tend to look at things, I'm rarely going to see a bad day, but I probably have them in terms of something I could improve on, right? Mm-hmm. But if I tend to only see the good, which is how I tend to see things, and it's not Pollyannish, I just, you know, my philosophy of life is the simplest way is, I tend to just see what's there versus what's not there. So I don't tend to think about the not side of things. <laughs> right. But if I do that and write it in the book and journal that way, I'm probably not going to learn something I need to know because my perspective is skewing my outcome and learning. Could be, yeah. So if you were to take, like, let's say a journal entry, and maybe in your case, it might need to be more quantitative than qualitative. And looking at what it is that you're choosing, right? If you're naturally in a good mood, I think that's fantastic. I don't know if I fall into that category. I might be binary, right? Uh, with that. But I think it's important for people to choose happiness, choose to be optimistic, uh, those types of things. But also, yeah, look at, look at the data. Like what, what is going on? You got six emails from angry customers. Okay, is there a pattern here? Continually look for the pattern and you can build on that pattern, build the processes and systems to back it up. And that's, my belief, one of the, the, the ways to build on growth. Right. 
Let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. I've been a Beta Gamma Sigma member for the last 20 years. If you're looking to hire, the right candidate is closer than you think. Beta Gamma Sigma is the International Business Honor Society, exclusively for students at the top of their class in the top 5% of business schools in the world. BGS members are academic achievers, skilled leaders, and experienced problem solvers, and their skills and experience extend beyond the classroom. They hold chapter leadership positions, attend global business summits, complete ethics trainings, and engage in world-class internships with top corporations. When you hire a Beta Gamma Sigma member, you are truly hiring the best in business. For more information, email bgshonors at betagammasigma.org to learn more about how to hire BGS members. Welcome back. So I want to go back to a word you've used a number of times. I'd like to hear more about it. And I love it because it's a phrase I use a lot, which is you talk about rhythm. Mm-hmm. And, and I see there's a lot of places in my life I apply that. Like sometimes I'm just in it and I'll describe it as I'm in the rhythm, I'm in that flow. And I believe a lot of us need to create rhythm by our habits and our behaviors and actions because once rhythm has a rhythm keeps going. That's the thing. It's like when you sound a note, that note doesn't end right away. It just goes. So talk more about what does rhythm look like for you? Yeah, no, I know. I love that you brought that up. So rhythm is, you'll hear an athlete that's in the zone, right? Well, they're in the zone, they're doing what they're doing. And that's great. I, I think that's wonderful. And I think we can all be in the zone in that morning focused time that uh, we're, we're speaking of. But I think if you want to keep that zone as much as possible based on as many distractions or things that can come in, you need to be in rhythm. And rhythm is all of those things. You're your diet, your time, your sleep, all these other activities around you, but it's also the people that you surround yourself with. So if you're getting resistance from people, you're at odds with them and you haven't found a connection with them so you can get in rhythm, then things are going to be out of sync. Things are going to be painful. Things are going to take more energy than they should. So Hmm. I'm always trying to do a check with people like, okay, are we in rhythm? Are we in sync? Is there something going on? Because if you can control everything with yourself, right? You can't control how you're perceived, of course, but you can control how you're presented, which is a great way to do that. But the extension to that is you're only as good as the people you work with. So if you can get in their same rhythm, then the, that's when the great things happen. That's when you can do what would normally take others 20 hours to do. Your team can knock it out in four and get equal results, right? What's, inter- what's interesting is the, the body naturally does that. So for women, their menstrual cycles come together if they're living together or in, in that proximity. And it's, it's just fascinating, you know? So as you're talking about that, I'm thinking, okay, well, how can we be intentional about that? And so that's a, that's a great thinking. That's a great point. I've never made that observation. I love that. That, that even deepens that theory. Well, I love what you said about people because we've had a lot of conversations recently on some podcasts, also in some other Cartavera uh, workshops, et cetera about this idea of the people around us. Mm. And, and we've talked about it a lot of ways. We've talked about the kinds, concept that's been around for decades that we are, you know, we are the five people we spend the most time with in the terms of picking those people, uh, how we pick our team members, uh, who we choose to cut in many ways, cut out of our lives mm-hmm. in some way or set boundaries with. So can you talk more about how you look at people and you talked about rhythm and how you look at those kinds of people decisions? I think it's having a, a, a bond with people. Some people are very personable. They're very kind. They're, they're very generous. Others are, are more shut in. They're introverted. They're, they're, they're not as open about things. And I think it's finding a, a way to communicate with them so you know what it is that they want. They know what you want. And when you can align with what somebody wants with whether it's a, a, your company's goals or some other mission that you want to accomplish, then people tend to be happy. And some people call this mission, some people call this purpose, all those. But at the end of the day, it's, it's very common for me to ask, and I'm, I'm a very direct person, I'm gentle about it, but what is it that you want? If you tell me what you want, I can tell you what I want. And if those two things align, we're both going to be happy. Yeah. Or how can we find a way to make them mesh? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, it's finding that common ground where there's not necessarily a, a sacrifice that needs to be made. And 
when we, I do get out of the rhythm because it does happen. Some employees uh, have bad days. I, I get excited sometimes and, and have bad days. It's having that one-on-one conversation to get back in tone, right? Mm-hmm. All right, all right. How, do, how do we make sure that we're, we're both rowing in the same direction? We're both on the same pattern. And for instance, we get back to uh, the rhythm with people. You'll notice that, uh, for instance, a call is getting very energetic. Somebody's, oh, oh my God, and it's starting going off. We naturally, if we're cognizant of it, we're going to start doing that as well. And now we're both screaming and yelling at each other. So if you can lower your voice, talk in a slower pattern, you can ease them and bring them down. So it's also being very mindful of who you are in the moment, who you are being with those people. So that really comes back to emotional intelligence. Yeah. Understanding, you know, how we're, how we are showing up in that space. Um, also looking at the impact that we're having on the other person, you know, because if we keep coming back at them and, you know, hey, you know, getting, <laughs> getting it riled up, that's not a good thing. I see that happening uh, every now and then. And that's that's not healthy. Oh, absolutely. And being in putting yourself in their situation, their shoes. Right. And the thing is, the only way to do that is to create space, whether that's mental or whether it's using time where you can reflect in, and do that. It's very difficult if you're not in rhythm to be able to, to be able to do that. Well, it also comes back to there's, there has to be the level of trust to have that conversation as well for them to be able to be genuine about what they want. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And trust in the marketing and the sales space is, is so paramount. You have to be authentic. You have to be genuine. You have to deliver on what you promise. So that is a core value that is near and dear. Yeah. So you, you keep coming back to the word rhythm. And the concept of rhythm. And it sounds like it's something that's very intentional for you, John. Like, like athletes, my belief with athletes is they tend to get in the zone when they do a couple of things. One is they practice regularly, build those skills. So every, they become, they get to that level of unconscious competence. The other thing is I, I'll label it. They're present. I don't know. They use it a lot, but they're not thinking about what happened three, even three seconds ago. They're just in the moment. So the rhythm, that flow is an outcome of practices. I sense that you look at actual choices you're making that determine, is that going to help improve the rhythm or is it interfering with rhythm? And if so, talk more about that. I'm fascinated with this idea of intentional rhythm. <laughs> it's some, um, I love the way that you put it there. And I guess it's, all right, how is this, how is this going to affect, right? So it's, you know, maybe playing 3D chess to some extent, but all right, what, if I do this, what, are, what is this going to cause in the future? So it's just being really, really caring also of your team, right? Let's say that you're going to bring in a bad client. You need revenue like you've never needed it before. And your hope and a prayer is that everything is going to work out, but hope isn't a strategy, right? <laughs> it's a gamble. So it's knowing that you're going to bring that in and you're going to bring in a bad client. And all that's going to do is by the time you want to fire the client, the client's probably already fired up an employee or two of yours. So it's just knowing what is going to, and also have a sense and a feeling going with your gut of what is going to upset the apple cart or move things in the wrong direction. You want to continually take things toward your goal in the most pleasant way possible, but all the while knowing the goals of everybody around you and the way that they want to be treated. You know, what's funny is, is, is we're talking about the rhythm. I'm a drummer. And so just thinking about the rhythm and thinking about having a jam session or a, a drummer <laughs> circle or something like that. And, you know, everybody's coming in at a different place, but eventually everybody ends up, you know, contributing in a, in a very interesting and unique way. People may have a different rhythm, but it fits in with the whole. And it's, it's actually a beautiful thing. Yeah, I love how you put it. Yeah, there's different timings, right? Somebody's on 1130 seconds time and you're like, hey, how am I going to get into this? <laughs> that would be an interesting one. <laughs> well, there's also, it feels like there's a big piece around rhythm that's based on trust. Trusting ourselves, because to your point, Craig, about drumming, I don't consider myself a drummer. From time to time, I do some drum circles on djembes, et cetera. Yeah. And what I noticed is when I'm thinking about it, I'm terrible. <laughs> like I'm right. trying to do it yeah. and I don't claim to have the skills, but when I just let it go, yep. like I'll notice and say, this feels right. Like yeah. I'm in this rhythm. It's not trying to do it. But as soon as I start to think about it, then I lose it. Yeah. Like, Oh God, there it went again. Just put it out. And so I, th- I think there's a big piece of trust in allowing these rhythms to happen. That's a good point. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think it's integrity, right? So it's, you mm-hmm. know, the trust is, and also the experience of the people around you, how, how they're going to be behave, how they're going to act, what they typically deliver on and making sure that you're doing everything you can as a leader so they can succeed. Oh, so and good. Absolutely. The, I'm big on, on credit, right? Not necessarily taking it because anybody that takes it just kind of like, uh, it seems like it's a braggart or it's a vacuum, right? right? not necessary, but finding every opportunity to share credit with your team and give them credit and, and praise in, in all the best places is important. And, and to the, the, the rhythm piece of that, if you know you're seeing the signals of them getting swamped, it's not necessarily calling them out in any way when you see they're going to mis- make a mistake, but it's giving them a little bit of a nudge. Hey, just want to let you know, we got that call tomorrow at 2 p.m. How's the pricing looking on that? Just being something subtle. Not you better have that pricing done by tomorrow right. or yeah. where are we at with that pricing? Mm-hmm. You know that they're, they're, they're blocked. They're, they're fitting 12 hours of work in, eight, in an eight hour day and completely crushing it. So just being very, very kind and generous with them at every opportunity that you can. Even asking, is there anything that I can do to support you in this? Absolutely. Yes, for sure. Well, what's the better question we got a couple of weeks ago, Greg? You remember? What's one thing I can do to support yeah. you? One of our oh, guests was yeah. talking about changing the question instead of saying, how can I support you? Which is so just say, what's one thing? Cause it causes people to think about a single thing, yeah. which is a lot easier to process. I, I love, love that. Takeaway. Yeah. Rather yeah. than you know, what can I do to help rather than yeah. what is the one thing I can do? One Good. thing that I can do. Good reminder, Jeff. Boy, I tell you, if, if I could pull in and just <laughs> install everything that we've heard from the podcast into my brain. It'd be, it'd be so good, man. Uh, well, there's always resistance to new ideas, even if we think they're good or maybe even labeled great. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to work Craig, you don't, you don't need the one thing when you ask it, it you get that response. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I'm curious, John, you, what's up? I was just going to say one, one other thing on that rhythm is there's a, there's, when you're in a drummer circle, what's the one kind of commitment that you have when you're there? Any thoughts? Well, I think drum circles work best in a drum circle where I've seen them work with uh-huh. two things. One's a commitment, but one is there's a clear decision of who the leader is. Okay. They set the rhythm. Okay. To follow and that I commit to be part of the rhythm versus doing my own thing. I was thinking I'm, I have a commitment to having fun, right? To, exactly. to jointly yeah. having a good time together. Otherwise, why would you be there? Yeah, yeah. I think listening, though, is what came to me. Yeah, okay. All right, interesting. Oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Boy, I'm glad I asked the question then because definitely not what I was thinking. Good stuff. Well, then we got to define fun, right? Because I, I've been amazed at how the reason I said that is one drum circle I was with actually in, it was in Ireland a couple of years ago. And interesting. Someone was took issue with how the drumming, they thought the drumming was bad in general because not everybody were drummers, but he said, we're going to do two or three things and you're going to see the difference. And what he said is, here's the person who's going to set the tone and follow that. And he set clear direction of who the leader was, because if you've got like 30 people, 30 leaders all trying to lead, you have a problem. It was really interesting uh, to see how, that group of people with diverse ability, how good it sounded yeah. with those two or three little things. I've seen a drum circle done with 200 people uh, participated oh, in that. And it's, it's amazing the cacophony that can happen, but then how everybody can come together and make a great sound. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have to, I'm going to make a note here. I want to enter. I'll, uh, introduce something we got to do a drum circle well yeah, yeah i want to introduce you i'll go grab uh, my both if you're interested to a friend of mine named jim donovan jim donovan is the former uh drummer of the band rusted root uh and toured the world you know toured the world got out of it to sort of save his soul <laughs> but now he's a he teaches music but he's also big into the healing power of drumming mm, yeah and he does workshops and it's cool stuff. And, and it's, it's not just about the drums. That's the thing. The drum is the, the medium, Yeah, but it's what, you know, so maybe that's a, a good intro. 
So a question that came to me, John, is you're talking about that idea of taking on a bad customer or client, the decisions you make. I'm just curious. You've had a lot of experience in different companies. My experience has been for myself and every person I've ever talked to, and this is, I rarely say always or never, this is every person who has ended up with a bad client or customer. None of them has ever said we didn't see it coming. Every one of them have said, yeah, you know, we saw those red flags. We saw that then. And I'm like, well, why is it we don't act on what we see? The, well, I think it's hope and, and optimism and, and a lot of that. I, 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 also, I also think that as you, you want so bad to do either the work or to get the revenue or there's something that you will go against your conditions of satisfaction, right? Mm. But I would challenge it. There's been a few cases where I would bring on a client and we had no idea. It was like a complete psychotic episode took place. (laughs) Right? We're like, oh yeah, Uh, he's in Aruba and we're pretty sure he's addicted to meth now. It's like, what? Like, how did that happen? Right? Uh, The guy was, you know, leading a $30 million company and, you know, he he was on his way to the top. But maybe that's how he got there. Um, <laughs> in, in any event, uh, I, I think there are, are, are a lot of ways that, that you can see it. But the, and then what, what are the conditions of satisfaction? Some people say like, oh, we only like to work with nice people. It's like, okay, well, that could become a little bit flexible. And you'll, depending on where you are, are in your finances. Conditions of satisfaction are usually, all right, can we help the person? Is this, uh, is this work that we want to do and we're good at? Uh, do they pay their bills on time? Are they are they nice? So we we have some of those those typical factors, but sometimes sometimes they get in the cracks for sure. Well, I love that you create that. I've not heard that phrase before. Conditions of satisfaction. You know, I've often called it. You know, what's the ideal client profile that goes far beyond the dollars? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I think I, I think very few companies actually have that written out. Because I'll say, what are they? And they'll start going. I said, no, are they written out? Well, no, they're not written out. Well, then you don't really have them. Because yeah. if they're not written out, you're, you're not going to be clear on this. And it's, I think it's so important to get clear on what that amazing client looks like. I remember when back in my law days, we did it for ourselves. And then as a consultant, we did it with, I did it with firms. of Like they would say, we, wanna, we want somebody who pays us. I said, well, that's a horrible item. <laughs> I go, why is that horrible? And I said, because I know your business. What you really want is you want someone who pays you on time. Mm-hmm. You also want someone who values your services and sees what they pay you as paying for value. Yeah. You no, know, you want uh you want someone who sees this as a partnership and a club. If you don't write those things out, I said what's beautiful is when you do, if you get clear. First of all, you, I believe you attract that. Second of all, when you talk to a client or a potential client, you're listening for those things. Even if you, once you get them ingrained, like I'll tell them before you go talk to a prospect, look at the list, look at it mm-hmm. before you talk to them, just look at it. And you don't have to think about it. The stuff will come out that way and you will hear what they say different. And you'll hear that thing that says, oops, wait a minute. Not a good fit. There's a question. <laughs> I got to go a little deeper there. Yeah. yeah, I love that. Conditions of satisfaction. That's cool. Yeah. And if you feel uncomfortable anywhere in that sales process, be direct, be gentle, but be, be, be direct about it. Call them out. So do you typically pay your bills on time? That's a fair question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you can come back to that. That's, that's social leverage. You're going back and saying, you said you paid your bills on time, but you're treating us like a bank you hate. You <laughs> haven't paid your bills, right? Yeah. Would other consultants call you a jerk? or yeah on a scale from one to ten this is another one we'll ask on a scale from one to ten how needy are you oh wow that's awesome wow we're a 10 and you're like (laughs) okay well i don't want a a needy 10 in my life in anywhere doesn't matter how much i'm being wow well i'm I'm curious like what kind of reaction do you get from people that you ask that question because when you said that i had two reactions one is oh that's an amazing question and i kind of went "Ooh." Wow. <laughs> Usually needy people take pride in being needy. Oh, interesting. 
they wear it like a badge of honor like i'm needy and you're like well that's great for you yeah wow yeah i have a client like that and it's like um and i've had some conversations with the person about that yeah yeah but it's still happening interesting yeah (laughs) we might have further conversations Well, and it's interesting now that we're talking about clients and customers. One thing I've learned over the years is people will say I have demanding clients or customers because they act like they're my only client or customer. Hmm. And I said, well, before you judge them, here's what I've learned that most people want, they recognize they're not, but they want to feel like they are. Right. So, and there's a difference because that doesn't mean you drop everything for them. But are you taking care of their needs? Are you being proactive and reaching out to them? Are you asking good questions? Because if you've got someone who really wants to be treated like you're the only one and get that like all your time, that's for me, not a good client. Or they got to pay a lot more. Yeah, I think it's the business model, right? So you can be my only client. It's just going to be extremely expensive. (laughs) That's right. That's right. I think it's important. I, I love people, right? And yeah. I think anybody that works in sales or marketing really has to to love people. I don't think they're going to be as effective as uh, they, they could be. And in in doing that, I think it's making somebody feel special, whether you're creating yeah. an ad that they're going to act on or, or in the sales process or, or everywhere. They, they need to feel special. But I think it's important to also let them know that it is a business. And because it's a business and it's not a clubhouse where I'd love your company and I'd love to hang out all the time, that one of the things that has to happen are transactions and this place needs to make you know, a profit on those transactions. So it's having a direct but gentle conversation about that so they realize, I get paid for my time. Do you want to pay for more of it? No. It's like, okay, well, how can we structure this in such a way that you're going to be happy and we're going to be effective? Wow. So, John, I, I wanna, there's a couple things I want to make sure we touch on here. Um, from talking to you earlier, you had an interesting ride in 2020. You mm-hmm. had three businesses mm-hmm. that all performed very differently in 2020 during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So speak to that. And how do you navigate that ride? Mm-hmm. That's, that sounds like a whitewater rafting ride uh, on a class five. Yeah, on a class five. Which is fun, yeah. actually. Oh, I think it's a blast. <laughs> I don't know uh, that I want to choose that for my business, though. Yeah, right, right. So, so yeah, in the, the, the application development, web development, marketing side, we did really well, right? Uh, company was, I believe, final number is 13, 15%, uh, so, somewhere in there. So we, we, did, we did really well in, in growth there. As far as the, the healthcare side of things, we, the whole market was down by 40%, right? So it's, it's care coordination based on people being injured. So on account of that, people weren't working in a lot of the industries mm-hmm. that we assisted with. And because of that, we weren't able to offer the products and services to support that. So yeah, down 40% across the board. The, the main thing is doing everything that you can to get as much business as you can and still try to generate as much of a profit and keeping your team together, right? Mm, uh, yeah. Because you, you want to rally behind them. You want to find certain things. You want to get creative. Uh, and it wasn't easy. It, it's, it's, not, it's not easy, right? Because that year is just a few months behind us. It's not that we just turned this corner and everything's absolutely magical. And some hard decisions have to be made at that time. But the one thing is be completely clear with everyone. Be optimistic. Be be forging that direction, continually moving toward that vision, adapt to the situations that, that are there. Uh, it's not necessarily being Pollyanna, but let them know that everything is going to be all right if we do these things. You have to pull together. Our customer service, because of that limited business, is off the charts. The reviews are insane because it's like, it's like so close to 100%. You, just, you have to say it's 100%. And that's, that's one of the things that we're rallying on. It, it, it's cheering on that and still trying to get as much business as we can. How did we do it on the marketing side? We took advantage of what was happening. Oh, yeah. So uh, communications had to be created based on adapting to the market conditions for each one of our clients. We had to create 
ads. We had to create new landing pages. We had to adjust copy. And then also, if there was anything that those businesses could do, right, taking what we learned for ourselves and then giving it to them, how can they help their clients based on creating new uh, revenue channels that also assisted with COVID uh, to some extent? That's great. So one of the things that I would say or ask is when you're looking at the, the healthcare company, how much did you ask everybody there to help come up with some, some different solutions, different ideas to maybe rectify the issue? Every week we have a, a company-wide team call and every week people are bringing ideas. And okay, that's something great. I continually ask for. Give me ideas. I'm and, not... Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so if, if they're coming in with the ideas, then what do you do with them? Some we execute. Some are frankly terrible ideas, but they're ideas. And that's what I'm asking for. Yeah, I'm not okay. asking for good ideas. I'm not asking for bad ideas. I'm asking for your ideas. And some okay, of those right. are so outrageous that it's like, okay, that would be awesome. In 10 years, <laughs> we, can, yeah. we can do that. But as of right now, these are the things that we want. And also with some of them, looking at the most infinitesimal step that we can take just to put that in motion yeah. gives the team a sense of, okay, I'm being heard, I'm being listened to, and there's some action on this, as well as those things taking us in a direction, whether it's creating new revenue channels, which we, we, we've done a decent good job at. One of the things in the healthcare industry it's notorious for is people paying on time. So the team <laughs> came up with strategies to help people pay on time because in the healthcare, they just think you're, you're a bank, especially when you work with uh, municipalities. Yeah. So really I'm curious, speaking of leadership, look at 2020, and, and I agree with you, you know, it's not like we threw a light switch and we're in 2021 and everything's <laughs> back to so-called normal. And that's a whole nother episode of why, why our pursuit, our endless pursuit of normalcy. <laughs> but I'm curious, do you feel like you led any differently in 2020? And if so, what was different? I think it was. It was a true test, letting everybody know that if they're willing to go the distance, amazing things can be accomplished. And we had a, a phrase we used in 2020 that it was pre-COVID, but it worked out great. We called, this is the year of the climb. We then also named the podcast after that, but we would continually use that mantra. Are you climbing? And people in Slack, which is a very common is our main tool of communication would use the little emoticon with the guy and the gal climbing. So it was something we could just beat that drum. Just like, all right, climb, we can do this. We can do this. So I think a mantra was really important and that, that helped us get through a lot of, uh, a lot of it. And uh, just really checking in with people to have them ask them of themselves. Am I doing everything I possibly can? And people, people deliver. People really deliver. You create the environment for them. You remove every possible reason or excuse and just focus on their performance, really caring about them as a human. People can do amazing things if you ask. Wow. Oh, that's a good recipe. I love that. Well, we're getting near the time here, John. And I do want to make sure we talk about this just for a moment because we mentioned it earlier and I think it's fascinating. The, the mastermind you have, it's called Digital Mastermind which from what you've shared offline is something that you basically, I'm not say acquired, but took over this mastermind. Mm -hmm. And how many people are in this? Uh, there's over a little over a hundred. So you got, yeah. you've got a hundred people. Wow. And, and so just talk a little bit about what that master, how it's functioning. Yep. And frankly, what you're getting out of it and what you put into it. Yeah. So it's, it's a digital mastermind. It's for digital marketing agencies and it's been around since 2012. Uh, a gentleman uh, who's still, still involved, uh, Jeff Klein started, he handed it to another gentleman who then handed it uh, to me. And we, we come together, not so much as a victim's group, right? Where we're going to complain about our problems, but we, we look at situations that we can help each other with. And what can we do to make sure that all boats are rising when the tide comes in, right? So how can we you know, just uh, focus on that type of mentality. And we, we talk about, all right, we're at this, these are the issues we're seeing with employment. Uh, COVID, right? COVID was another, another circumstance where we would all get together on 
sometimes weekly calls and biweekly calls, and we still have biweekly calls where we're talking about how we're attacking this. There were some people that were pivoting from the tourism industry into to, uh, to other markets. Other people were talking about being 50% down because all they did was hospitality and really coming together and helping each other out. And we stay in contact via those biweekly calls. We also have a Slack group where anybody poses a question there. There's no fee to join, which I think is uh, important. But granted, we're going to move where there's going to be dues to help pay for the Slack channel and, uh, and that. It's going to be very low. It's, it, it's break even. We also get together once a year, which was unfortunately canceled last year, uh, for, for a meetup where we get a lot of the, the members together. And to answer what I get out of it, I get out of it being around some of the smartest people in my industry that are just so willing to share their knowledge that I'm, I'm 20 years smarter by being involved in this than as if I was trying to do this all on my own. And then also being so generous with whatever I have that it, I, I, I give it to them and it comes back tenfold. It's just a really go-giver type of mentality that I met my business partner through this group in 2012 and we just oh, stayed great. in touch and we worked together. So I can't say enough about it. That's great. Wow. What a, what a novel concept actually just give. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> give and serve give and serve well clearly you uh just from all the things you've shared john i come away saying this is someone who lives servant leadership it's become cliche and i think it's become cliche because so many people claim to be a servant leader but they don't show up as a servant leader so I think the key is what just happened here. I labeled you that you didn't label yourself. Right? <laughs> <laughs> That, that may be the so key. That's very kind. It reminds me of when you create something, you can't call it art. Somebody else has. That's yeah. right. That's right. That's right. Well, you can, but you know, typically you're five years old. <laughs> right. John, as, we, as we wrap Thank up, you. That's very we, always, we always want our guests to have a chance uh, to promote. Is there anything specific, specific you want to promote today? Uh, specific. Yeah. I, I think it's, uh, the, 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 if, if you're looking for application development, uh, uh, web development marketing, please, uh, feel free to reach out to us. The, the company is Oyova, uh, O-Y-O-V-A.com. Uh, love to help you. Also the mastermind group. If you're, if you're a marketing agency and you would love to, to join, I think that's something I would, I, a conversation I would love to, to have with you. And that's, uh, you can shoot me an email, John, J-O-N, at digitalmastermind.com or visit digitalmastermind.com and get something through there. And yeah, on our podcast, we speak to uh, fantastic people like, like Jeff, who uh, I believe is going to be on in a, in a few weeks, as awesome. well as other, uh, uh, other leaders, uh, whether it's related to technology, marketing, or, or business. And that, that the, uh, the podcast is called The Climb. Well, fantastic. Awesome. We'll share all that in the notes. Uh, is that the is the website the best way to get, reach out to you and connect with you, John? Or what's the best way? Uh, the website's uh, the website's great. You can find me on LinkedIn. My, I'm the only John Syracuse that's that's on LinkedIn. <laughs> uh, or you could uh, shoot me an email, which is yeah, John J O N at digitalmastermind.com. Fantastic. We always wrap up with a couple of signature questions, and the first one for you, John, is what's that one book? The one book, if someone's got to pick up a book of all the thousands and millions, what should they be reading? The, oh, there's so, there's so many of the, the, the one book I would say switch is, is one that had a profound impact on me. Interesting. They were my next door neighbors in Texas. Whoa. Dude, yeah, that is awesome. Brothers, yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're, they're neat guys. Wow. Uh, that had a profound impact. And I mean, there's so many on it, whether it's, uh, I, I know, I don't know if I can name it. Go Giver is a great book, you know, the tipping point, you know, uh, start with why those are, those are all fantastic, you know, paradigm shifters. Love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, and the second question is you've shared a lot today, but no pressure, but what's that one bomb, that wisdom bomb to share with our listeners as we depart? The, the wisdom bomb is if you want to grow, get comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> I love it. Love it. Yes. Right on. Well, thank you, John. Thanks for being here and all you shared. And uh, appreciate you and uh, keep serving. Yeah, great love to have you. Likewise. Thank you so much, guys. Really appreciate it. 
The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.